the Arsenal Therapy Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Arsenal Therapy Podcast. My name is Farhan, also known as Gunner since 96. And you join me tonight on this very first post-match reaction um, show where we're going to talk about uh, just a just a, a small matter of a game that Arsenal uh, so happened to play tonight at Soas Park. Um, I mean, they only won 2-0, uh, clean sheet as well, and um, three points in the uh, opening game of the Premier League season. So, you know, no big deal. Um, but joining me tonight to discuss uh, the incredible victory, uh, which, by the way, also puts us uh, at the top of the league. I, you know, I'm going to shamelessly <laughs> say it. Um, yes, we sit there. You can see it there. Three points. Everyone else has zero points. We've got three. So things are looking good. Um, but yeah, joining me here to discuss all of that is Elliot from the Arsenal Vision podcast. Elliot, um, it wasn't Arsenal 10, Palace nil, Yes. But um, we did manage to score a couple goals and keep a clean sheet. I mean, how are you feeling after that victory? I mean, it was Arsenal 10, Palace nil in my heart. So... <laughs> You know, that's good for something, right? Um, I'm feeling great. I mean, look, if your expectation is that we were just going to make it easy and roll over Palace, then you might come away from that game with frustrations. I just don't think that's realistic in the Premier League. I don't think it's realistic on opening night under the lights at Sellers Park. Um, it was. It felt realistic based on how our first 20 or 25 minutes went. So I understand we set an expectation that we couldn't really follow through with, but... A 2-0 win away there. There, I don't know the stats off the top of my head, but that's a team that took a lot of points at home off of the top six finishers from last season. So a well-coached team, credit due to Patrick Vieira, a talented team, a physical team, which I think we struggled with at times, and ultimately we did what we needed to do. So I'm a bulliant, but I can understand if people are frustrated with some of the things that we did um, in the middle of the game, but that it, it really doesn't take any of the shine off it for me. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it sort of uh, reminded me of you know large parts of last season. Actually, funnily enough, the last yeah. time we spoke, um, uh, we were 10 games away from securing Champions League. And literally, uh, after the episode, it just all went downhill. So, you know, I'm hoping the same uh, omen doesn't, you know, <laughs> come Why did I agree to come on then? If you had told me that, I could have done everybody a favor and said no. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But, but no, it, it did remind me of, um, you know, how we managed games in large parts of last season and it just seemed to me as if um, you know it's kind of same old Arsenal where you know we, we score the opening goal we we don't go for the uh, the, the the sucker punch um, and or the knockout blow and um, unfortunately we make it harder for ourselves but you know we're Arsenal Football Club but it is what we do it's in our nature um, hmm. uh, so what, what we're going to do today or tonight or when you know whenever you're listening to this um, is break down the game um, I, I like to do it in chunks of sort of 10 minute intervals. So um, if you don't remember much of it, it's fine. Um, but there is, I mean, there's plenty to talk about. There's plenty to analyze and discuss because, um, you know, there are a number of different personnel on the pitch, but not only just that, the system itself was a, a little bit different and it made Palace feel a little bit uncomfortable in the opening 15, 20 minutes. Um, and I think we allowed them to get back into the game a lot more easily than maybe you know we, we should have allowed them to um, I don't think Palace worked incredibly hard to uh, get that momentum that they did in the second half uh, but look let's start off with this let's start off by talking about the um, the starting lineup I think most of us expected 
to see the 11 players on the pitch. I think it was quite evident to see, um, you know, the, after the, the Chelsea victory and the Emirates Cup um, against Sevilla, uh, that Arteta was, you know, more than likely to go for this lineup. But um, yeah, I mean, just talk to me kind of about the system that you you were um, expecting to see Arsenal to play in. He, he did have the option to play, you know, uh, free at the back. And I guess sometimes it did. It, in fact, it did look um, at times, most of the time, actually, when we were going forward, there was only two at the back. It was almost as if it was like a, a two, five, three. Two, three, five. Yeah, Yay. two, three, five. And, and that's yeah. going to be our shape, I think, in possession for large stretches of the season. And it's similar to what we see. Palace do when you have those tucked in fullbacks who kind of become midfielders, right? With Thomas Party between them, between uh, in this case Ben White and Zinchenko, with Saliba and Gabriel in behind, and then you've got the five attackers, um, and Shaka really goes up and joins that group. So I, 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 I look, the lineup is exactly what I thought it would be. The formation, the system is exactly what I thought it would be, and the way we approached the start of the game is exactly what we saw all preseason: a suffocating press, um, the ability to turn turnovers by the opposition into quick transition attacks that lead to chances. Um, Gabriel Jesus at the heart of everything we do that's great. A very bright Martinelli, again, consistent with what we'd seen all season. I think the thing that we didn't see in preseason is what a little bit of nerves and a little bit of the pressure of the real games, quote unquote, can do to you. And we saw Aaron Ramsdale make a couple mistakes out of the back. Hmm. And I have to admit the one where he hit it off was it off his own defender or was it off a Palace player? I think I thought that was going right back into our net. Schlup or Edward, yeah, one of them. Yeah, the angle on TV made it look like that was going to go right back in mm. uh, in our net. But point is, that was at a point in the game where really there was nothing happening for Palace and, and they hadn't hurt us much. And I thought it just gave the crowd a lift. It gave their players a lift. And maybe, just maybe a little bit of nervousness crept in. We gave the ball away cheaply a few times. And then something that we did see last season happened, which is we kind of lost our principles our principles of play. And and the thing that we saw that was so easy for us all preseason, one touch passing out from the back through the midfield, you know, up back and through all those principles that, that looked so uh, drilled into these players. Well, now suddenly the pressure of the real games and a little bit of, of change in momentum and confidence, which are not, you know, terms that I tend to fall back on a lot, but in this case, I think it, it, it it's relevant, really changed the dynamic <clears throat> and we lost our way for a while. But the difference is unlike last season in some of these games, we had already earned our lead through our dominance. Mm. And so it's very different when you lose your dominance on a one nil lead and you can control it a bit. And yes, they had a couple of big chances that fell to them, but mostly I actually think when we were in our deep block and when we were defending, we looked reasonably comfortable doing it. So all things being equal, yeah, it looked a lot like what I expected it to. I just thought that we might, we might be able to control the game more throughout, but that wasn't the case. Mm. And and just uh, on Palace's starting lineup as well, um, actually, it did seem like that because, you know, there were a lot of whispers and a lot of comments about um, how, you know, tough they, they had their preseason. Maybe not tough, but um, not the way that they planned out planned it out to be. Um, but yeah. you still saw the likes of Edward, just new signing to Corey Zaha, who was, you know, a real handful. And actually Ben White did an incredible job to keep him in his pocket. Ayu um, as well in the second half really opened up. And actually that's, that's, that's why we found it so difficult because Palace was starting to use both sides of the flanks. And actually uh, Zinchenko, who for, for large parts, I think offensively was really, really effective, but defensively um, maybe found it a little bit 
tricky, uncomfortable to deal with, um, are you at times? Uh, and, and I guess that's what forced the change for Tierney to come on. Um, but, you know, and also tactically as well, I think uh, Vieira's drilled them really, really well because um, uh, if you think back to last season against Brentford, um, one of the things that we found it really difficult uh, to handle, which was the long balls going over the top. And, um, mm-hmm. you, you know, luckily for us t- tonight, there wasn't a big imposing kind of centre forward um, who was able to win those balls in the air, uh, unlike last season with um, Ivan Tony. But, but you know, in, in, in Joaquim Anderson, who we're going to talk about at length, um, just relentless, you know, every... Um, every five-ish minutes you just saw the balls, you know, being uh, sent long to to, um, to Zaha. Um, but yeah, uh, a very competitive game. And I think it's fair to say that, you know, Arsenal weren't playing a, a weakened Palace side. It was a Palace side who uh, were there in the game and um, I mean you know especially in the second half you could see that you know here, here is a, a side who's just I guess picking up from where they left off from last season and they will have a pretty successful season under Vieira because you know we can see the the energy the relentlessness the 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 intensity everything I want Arsenal to have in, in 90 minutes of football <laughs> um, but yeah you look you do need to get the the result at the end of the day and and you know Selhurst Park is, is, is no joke of a place to go to you know you, when you talk about fortresses and you talk about certain places that just hold, uh, uh, I don't know, just uh, hold a, a bit of significance for the home team. Um, Sowers Park is one of those places, you know, it, it sits right up there with, with uh, you know, places that you just don't want to go to. Um, thankfully, you know, Burnley are not in the Premier League anymore. Otherwise, th- that would be another place where you just don't want to go there. And, um, you know, because it's, it's, it's one of those bogey places that you just try to avoid. But the fact that we've got the three points, two goals, a clean sheet um, speaks volume on, on on the kind of direction that we're going to, um, especially having, you know, watched the three episodes of the All or Nothing documentary, which also we're going <laughs> to touch on. Um, you could just really, you could really see, you could really start to see now the mindset, the mentality of where we're headed to or where we want to go to anyway. Um, so look, let's, let's talk about the game itself. Uh, the first half, especially those first 20-ish minutes, um, those were really my highlights of the game. Those are really the things that I want to uh, sort of, um, you know, d- discuss, unravel, um, analyse, because we saw most of the football, I think, that we're going to be seeing over the course of the season, um, especially in the opening 10 minutes where actually... Arsenal historically last season would have in the first opening five, 10 minutes when they're, when they're good, they're really good. So that, you know, they're, they're passing the ball around really quickly, uh, you know, high press intensity, um, and, you know, trying to make sure that we, we win possession, but also moving the ball down the flanks as quickly as possible. Tonight, it was very strange and positively surprising to see that we were managing the way we were moving the ball a lot better. It seemed like the pace of the ball, um, the, the mm. movement of the ball was just a, a little bit more manageable. It wasn't as hectic. It wasn't as 100 <clears throat> miles an hour. It was very controlled. And um, I guess uh, a lot of that responsibility can, can go down to, the the Saliba and Gabriel partnership alongside Zinchenko as well who I felt like I felt like most of the time anyway when we were building up from the back it was very much Gabriel Saliba Zinchenko passing it to Shaka Partey 
back to Zinchenko again. Martinelli then is opened up on the left-hand side, tried to feed him in. Uh, Saka saw some, uh, you know, some parts of the ball in that first half, but in that first 20 minutes, but I felt like the danger was being created down that left-hand side. Yeah. Um, how, how did you see it, the first sort of opening 10, 15 minutes? No, I see it the same way. I, I mean, the funny thing is, this was not a game for the midfield in particular. I don't think Shaka, Odegaard, or Party were very good in this game. I mean, certainly not in the period where we were not playing well, but I think even in the period where we played well, they were not hugely influential because firstly, I think we used our press to create openings and the ball was often with Jesus or Martinelli. You pointed to Zinchenko, who I thought was really influential in that period. Um, And Shaq was on the ball a bit, but really where we struggled is when we started to have to play back to front through the midfield. I think that's where they want to trap you. That's where they really want to press press you off the ball and, and use the energy of Anderson, use the energy of Decore. They have physicality in there. They have hard running in there. And we, and we struggled to cope with it. But early on, we didn't need to because we pushed them back. Uh, there was one period where they had recovered the ball from us fairly high up the pitch. And we just switched into our trapping and our pressing so quickly, our counter pressing, mm-hmm. that they kept having to go back and back and back. And it went all the way back to their keeper. And then their keeper gave it all the way back to their center back, like standing almost by the corner flag. And then they just kicked it out for a throw yeah, in. Long, yeah. Yeah, yeah, kicked it along and it went out for a throw around the halfway line. And that was brilliant to see. Um, and we did lose a little of that, to be fair. And, and so I think a lot of what made the game work early on was off the ball efforts on our part coordination in our pressing and the ability to get it to the forwards quickly. When the ball was with Martinelli, when the ball was with Jesus, when the ball was with Saka, we looked really dangerous. Um, and that, that for me was the key. And then as the game wore on and they pushed us back into low block more, yeah, I, I saw a reluctance, you know, all preseason long, the thing that really struck me was the incredible one touch passing and the speed of the passing and the verticality in the passing game, you know, player would get it, maybe give it to party, Wall pass back to Saliba, straight up through the lines to Odegaard, and away we go. Or give it to Party, turn, open his body, give it to Martinelli up the left-hand side, and away we go. A lot of verticality, very quick, and we played around teams very easily. We didn't have the confidence to do that in this game as we started to get pushed back. And so there was a lot of just hoofing it long at times to get out from danger. Mm. Just a lot of sort of hacked clearances and the kinds of things that under a little bit of pressure, players opting for safety. And I think sometimes as fans, we like that because we're like, just get it far away from our goal. But I think we lost our principles a little bit during that period. So an initial period where the pressing that we saw all preseason served us well, got the ball to the forwards who opened them up and created problems because I don't think their defense is great. I think their, their strength is in other places. And then a period of the game later on where we kind of abandoned our principles. Our, our pressing faded a little bit and we couldn't play through the thirds. And that's sort of how I see, I think the game kind of went for us. Mm. Um, uh, just uh, <clears throat> before we continue talking about the, the game, um, James has joined us here. Uh, James, good Hi, James. evening. How are you doing? Um, <laughs> give me your how thoughts you? or your, how are you feeling tonight after the, the, the two nil victory? Boy, is it good to be back in with Premier League football? Um, <laughs> <laughs> that is the, that is the, that is um, an unreal feeling to get the first game out of the way. And obviously, when when you're starting a season off, and, and everybody who supports teams around the Premier League and beyond is looking at you, it's uh, quite a daunting task. But we got it done today after the failure of last year against Brentford. 
which we've now seen in the documentary. Um, it's, uh, it's a good feeling to get to be top of the league right now. And it won't last long. And it probably will last a couple of hours, but it, it was such a good game and I'm, I'm really happy we're back because we... Uh, it wasn't convincing, but I love the way we played today. I, I, I noticed a real difference in, in, the, in, the way we were, in the way we were playing and hopefully it sets us up good for the season. Yeah, James, I, I mentioned earlier just before you came on that actually, um, despite the performance, you know, we, we got a job done at Selhurst we Park. We did. And if you look at the Premier League table and you, if you look at the teams and places that we're going to travel to and we're going to find it really difficult to get points, um, mm-hmm. you know, there's there are four or five places that I just are just very shaky to me. You know, um, uh, Palace is right up there with, with uh, you know, others like uh, White Hart Lane. <laughs> White Hart Lane, we never seem to do well. Southampton at times has been really tough. Newcastle last season, we saw, you know, what can happen. And actually this season, they're going to make it a fortress for um, for that team as well to try and push up the league as, as, as far as possible. Liverpool, um, yeah, obviously Brentford, yeah, we know. But, but I mean, particularly those, I guess, four or five places, I, I really... I look at I look at the league, you know, the fixtures, and I say, oh, you know, I'm I'm not really sure how to uh, whether to you know take the three points or the draw or, or however it's going to be. But now that we've got Palace out of the way, it just gives me so much more confidence going into other games, going to other places, knowing mm-hmm. that you know you look at the run now, the run of games that we have, and you know you have to say that if we string you know six or seven victories. Um, it, it could be looking really, really interesting, especially with the momentum and the, the psychology. I think if there's one thing that I've learned from the All or Nothing documentary is how much emphasis is being given to the mindset, the behavioural yeah. traits of these players, the hu- the human kind of mm-hmm. uh, touch. You know, Arteta is clearly he's he's, he's clearly. Uh, educated himself or he's clearly um, you know specialised in that area um, of, of, of you know football in modern football in philosophy um, because it's you know it's, it's the only thing I've seen in the last in the three episodes maybe we'll see a lot more of the tactical side of things uh, as the sort of more of the episodes come come uh, are released exactly. but um, as far as I can see now it just seems like you know we're, we're on this course of trying to get these boys to become men and not just men but you you know the the top echelon of all men's, um, and, exactly. and so yeah, it's 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 been it's been a it's been a very it's been an educational ninety minutes because, like I said, not a great performance at all, not by any stretch of the imagination. But we got the job done. We got the job done, and that's great. That is what you know. I, I'll use the I'll use the same phrase. Yeah, you have to beat what's in front of you, and today we, we we've done that. It might not have been. You know the the most goals in ninety minutes, or the, you know there was as you said there was just some shaky moments, but we got the job done on a on a on a hard night at Southhouse Park. And as you said, it's a tricky tricky ground to go to on the first day of the season. It can be daunting for many people for many teams away to Crystal Palace on the first game, <laughs> just because of the atmosphere those fans create and and. Um, they, they they were they were great tonight the Crystal Palace fans but I think we we were we were even better because uh, yeah we got the job done and you said uh, the next the next two games we've got Leicester another tough test but is at home so it might be a, it might be a little bit more in our favour yeah uh, Bournemouth after that newly promoted side uh, at a relatively tough stadium actually um, the vitality is a, <laughs> normally a tough place to go I string my mind back to a couple of years ago when we. Obviously, I think we <coughs> didn't we lose there in our first game or draw? 
I think we drew. I think it was a very. Uh, it might have been Yumberg's last game, and I'll tell you, it was in the stands. Uh, yeah. Maybe, was it Fulham? It might be Fulham or Bournemouth. One of those stadiums. I think Bournemouth was, his, Bournemouth was his first game because it was on Boxing Day, wasn't it? Uh, maybe I've got poor memory, so don't. Yeah. Yeah, but <laughs> I'll take your word. You know, we, today the, again, we, we're only speaking about this game right now, but we got the job done today. Yep. Again, it wasn't it wasn't the most spectacular of games, but I enjoyed what I saw on in parts of it and in most of it. So that's what I'm going to take away from today, and I'm, I'm yeah. just going to enjoy. I mean, going to enjoy the weekend, knowing we've done what we can do, and now I can just watch all the other teams. Indeed, indeed. And um, look, just in case you're wondering, uh, Monty is. <laughs> On his way to his sister's house, not sure how far he is in his journey, could be joining us, maybe, potentially. Mm-hmm. I will let that be something to um, allow you to listen to the rest of this podcast, okay? And the reason why I'm late is because I was watching the two episodes of All or Nothing twice. <laughs> twice. Um, yeah, do you know what? I, funnily enough, I've actually watched it twice as well, and I'm tempted to watch it a third time, but I don't want to become that weirdo that watches it the third time. So I'm Don't worry, man. Um, don't worry you know that, that, document, that documentary for me is a is a breath of fresh air like it's just so good to see our club being portrayed in that way and you know you we've seen the likes of the man city documentary before dare i say the tottenham one um uh, i have watched that uh never again um <laughs> but yeah it's just it's just so good to see amazon Doing our club justice, you see some of the shots and some of the some of the great some of the great shots they got, especially in that Northland derby episode. If you've seen it, um, it's, it's it's brilliant. So I can't wait for the next episode. And uh, we're we're about to we're about to get some fire in the next episode. It seems with the Bamiyang and the whole Bamiyang situation. Yeah, I said on, I said on Twitter not to talk too much, but I did say on Twitter it's so weird being put back in those situations again. So, like, for instance, like the, the 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 first game against Brentford, I know where I was in that game, where I, where I was when I was watching the game, how I felt in that game, and to be put straight back in that situation is uh, it wasn't good. Um, but. Yeah, but I mean, no, we can bring ourselves right back here, uh, yes, August fifth. Still, it's, it's yeah, it's still August fifth, uh, about fifteen minutes out. Yeah. Um, but look, you know, the, the beginning of the game specifically, uh, I remember three minutes in, Gabriel Martinelli misses uh, an absolute sitter. But <clears throat> what impressed me more um, was the 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 build up and the the number nine that we've got at disposal right now, Gabriel Jesus, who practically made that happen, that situation happen by himself. Um, Surely Martinelli has to score there. I don't know how he misses it, but how impressive was Jesus in that um, opening 45 minutes, Elliot? Because I don't think I've seen uh, a player who's able to pick up the ball and do some of the things that he does. Um, yeah, I don't think I've seen a player like that in an Arsenal show. It gives me kind of Santi Cazorla-esque vibes uh, alongside you know, uh, Aubameyang in the sense that he's a, he's so clinical in that final third. But just it, there was one moment where he picks up the ball, he's got a defender behind him, kind of shrugs him off, turns and continues to dribble. And he just makes it look so seamless. Um, I was kind of just, you know, had to blink twice to see if I was <laughs> actually was watching brilliant. this. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. I mean, there's a few components to what makes him special. I mean, firstly, you have to be able to put in the work off the ball 
you have to earn the right to play, as they say. And I think what he does off the ball with our press enables everything that we did right in that 25 minutes. He curbs his runs. He knows how to sh- how to shield off the passing lane so that the keeper has to go the other direction into the trap. You know, he, he really gets it. And, and he's willing to put in that work. And I think obviously coming from Pep Guardiola at City and having to fight for his place, he's he's got the right mindset for the position and for the way we want to play. And that's huge. I think, I mean, first of all, all you have to know about how great he played is the, the, the media is going nuts about his performance. And that almost never happens unless you get a goal or a killer assist. Mm. So the fact that they, you know, like he didn't score, he didn't assist, but the fact that he is really being featured for the role he plays shows you just how eye-catching it was. On the ball, obviously, having a, a center forward who can beat a man and create a chance on his own. Once you beat a man off the dribble, once you can get past a guy, other defenders have to respond to you. And by responding and reacting to you, they're out of position, and that creates openings for other people. The Martinelli chance that he misses comes from Jesus doing that. And last season, obviously, we didn't... Not only did we have a center forward who really couldn't beat a man on his own, he wasn't really even getting forward enough into those dangerous areas to, to be able to create those kinds of um, opportunities for his teammates by pull, dragging defenders out of position. So there's that part of it. I think the interesting thing, though, is what he can do for us when we are under the kosh a little or when things aren't going our way because there was that one straight long ball hopelessly kicked up the right, um, right touch line, and there's two Palace players there, and he kind of gets in between them, gets his shoulder underneath one, wins the ball, and slides the perfect pass through to Odegaard, who should try to score with his right foot and instead tries to mm. cut it back because he has no right foot, but like, or, you know, didn't want to use it there is a more fair way to say that. But that's so critical too, because, you know, when we were under pressure, when we were under pain, when we were struggling last season with Lacazette up front, he wasn't an outlet, right? I mean, he could be a bit of a focal point, but he couldn't be an outlet. And Jesus has that ability to just from nothing, from an aimless long kick to get in there, win the ball, slide a pass between two defenders and set and set a team, teammate up. And I also like the fact that he can exchange positions, right? So Martinelli could come inside more. He's able to drift outside. There's a lot more versatility about how that front three operates, which makes it that much harder for defenders. I just think last season, you knew you had an easy day coming as a center back against Arsenal. Mm. and that means you can step up a couple extra yards, choke us off in our buildup a little more, be right up the backside of those attacking players, win the ball back, get it right to a midfielder, turn defending into attacking, and force us back. And when you have Jesus up there, you just can't afford to do that. You know it's going to be a harder day. You know you're going to have less time to get the ball out of your feet, or you're going to be punished. And we saw that for the first 25 minutes. We didn't see enough of it the rest of the game. Um, but I thought even, like I said, in that one moment where he set up Odegaard, we saw it. So a little bit of everything. His off-the-ball work rate, his elusiveness on the ball. But the single biggest thing that stands out to me still with this player, the unbelievable number of runs he makes and how intelligent they are. He's always finding a shoulder to run off of, a diagonal run to make. You know, every time someone slid a ball, Saka slid a ball through, or Ben White slid a ball through, or Martinelli slid a ball through, there was Jesus just popping up into a space in the box to receive it with his back to goal, pinning a defender. It's his the intelligence of his runs that's going to serve us well because against teams like a Bournemouth, who will probably pack it in and have to sit deep and have 35% possession, those runs are going to be how we unlock those low blocks. So yeah, I, everything in his game was on display tonight. Just maybe not as much of it as we would have liked over the whole course of the game. Mm. And James, the beauty about having someone like Jesus is that the, 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 
the opposing side who are trying to figure out what they can do to stop someone like Jesus is they completely forget about Martinelli and Saka. And this is what scares, this is this is the scary thing about Arsenal this season is that they, 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 there's no longer that one target man or that one, you know, uh, that one guy that you need to keep an eye on. There's three or four. Uh, yeah. Odegaard didn't have a, his best performance today, but on his day, when he's able to link up as, uh, you know, as, as incredibly well as he as he did um, during preseason with 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 Saka, uh, Martinelli, and Jesus, all three of them, all four of them together, it's yeah. uh, is is a scary prospect. Um, but exactly. yeah, yeah, talk to me about um, how how you thought Jesus got on in the first sort of opening uh, 20, 30 minutes. Well, um, as 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 Elliot said, he's being talked about right now uh, by a load of people, and he didn't have the best performances. Um, just. I think we were not surprised. Well, I was surprised, but we, we were in awe of his preseason, and we would hope that would transfer to the, maybe the first game and maybe he'd score some goals to really open it up a little bit and, and put us on the right track. But today was, I think, one of his lesser performances. But I think he deserved that after the preseason he's had. Um, but he, he still made an impact today. He was all over the place and um, getting really frustrated when referees wouldn't give him fouls, which is. Uh, uh, which is funny, um, but <clears throat> that just shows he was everywhere, uh, and 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 opposition players were scared of him. Kept tackling him, kept getting in his face, everything. So it, it was really nice to see. And, and as you said, there's not a particular person now to focus on. It might have been you know Saka and Emil Smith Rowe last season, or or Bukayo, or you know vice versa. But now you have Martinelli, you have Jesus, you have. Saka, you have you have a load of a plethora of people you, to focus on, which is which is which is a nice problem to have. Um, maybe not maybe not for the individuals, but um, it's a nice problem to, for us to have. We, we we have multiple threats now, which is really good. Mm. And 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 the goal itself um, came just uh, before the twentieth minute. Brilliant set piece. Uh, yeah, um, obviously, you know, with, with a great set piece coach comes with um, set piece goals, and this was one of them. It was a really well worked set piece, a, a deep ball in from um, Bakayo Saka, mm. and um, no yeah. one is marking Zinchenko. And I think the beauty mm. about this set piece is that Zinchenko is not in the frame. He's not in the box at all. Just before the uh, just before the corner kick is taken, the the focal um, I guess interest is on uh, who's that Gabriel um, who's running in, but then you've also got in the pack uh, Thomas Partey, William Saliba, well, Saliba for sure. Yes, yeah. yeah, Saliba. Yeah, of course. Partey, um, Martinelli is in there, but then no one's got their eye on Zinchenko, and uh, I think it's, it's it's Zaha who's. <laughs> He's, he's kind of get, he's got his eye on uh, Shaka, but he's, he's just totally unaware of what's happening behind him. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, I think just before they took that corner, the, the commentators made a point that they were uh, they had they, they had a history last season of conceding from set pieces quite a lot, and I guess they haven't learned from their mistake because it's a it's a brilliant run in, and I can't believe he's left to his devices with, with that much space, but he's still got a lot to do with that ball looping down because you know you can often uh when you make contact with that ball with your with the head you can often uh you know allow it to, to just bounce off your head or if you don't get the contact right um especially with a looping ball rather than it 
being one with pace. Um, you know, you might not get it into the same into the zone that you you want you you want it to. Um, but he makes he makes a really good contact with it in the sense that he. He 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 allows the ball to bounce off his head, but kind of loop and um, make the 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 right. What am I trying to say here? Uh, the say the right kind of bouncy height dip. <laughs> I don't know what I'm trying to say. Basically, it falls perfectly for any one of those boys to get contact on. And you know, thankfully, Martinelli got the slightest of contact that he needs to um, to not only put off the goalkeeper, but also put off the surrounding defenders around him because, you know, there's two of them. So you're not really sure which one it's going to fall onto. Um, and so he, he makes he makes that slightest bit of contact that he needs. The goalkeeper, you could argue, could do a lot better. But I don't think he's expecting for Martinelli to be making that contact. Um, and so, yeah, a little bit of luck, uh, a little mm-hmm. bit of fortune, but, he, mm-hmm. he, you know, you need you need that sometimes. And, and so, you know, Arsenal won it up inside 20 minutes. Um, and... Now you're thinking, right, you know, time to open the floodgates and really get going. Um, it, it, it kind of, the intensity does drop from there. Um, and I feel like, again, this might be a mental thing. It might be a thing of just, right, let's just give it five or 10 minutes before we actually regroup and go again. Um, I don't know why that would be the case. But Elliot, why do you think this is the case that we see? And this was actually one of the questions that was asked by um, someone on Twitter. Let me just quickly find it. Um, do, 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 do. Ah, by Joseph um, Parastatidis at Joe underscore Paras, who says, um, why do we seemingly struggle to maintain aggression in our play? We still fall off mm. far too often for far too long giving teams an uncomfortable looking. Um, yeah. So, I mean, why do you think this is the case? It was almost immediately after we scored as well. Yeah, it's a fair question. I, I, a few things I would say. Firstly, one thing that we've gotten from the All or Nothing documentary that I think is good is we see what Mikel Arteta is telling the players. Mm. Get, mm-hmm. Stay on them. Get a second goal. Get a third goal. Stay aggressive in your pressing. Right. He wants them to keep the ball. He wants them to step pitch. This isn't an instruction saying once you get a lead, sit back and counterattack. Right. So it's not that. I think it's really this simple. I still think our our midfield is a work in progress. Um, you know, Granite Shack is playing a position where he maybe isn't totally comfortable. And and whether you love Granite Shack or you hate Granite Shack or you're somewhere along that spectrum, that's a position that clearly we're contemplating upgrading you know, links to players like Tielemans and Paqueta. Um, I still think Martin Odegaard can be taken out of games, can drift out of games, and this is a game where he did. But ultimately, I still think this entire system is so dependent on Thomas Partey basically being a one-man central midfield, Mm. collecting the ball, beating a man, moving it up the pitch, and then distributing to the forward players. Um... We, we get the ball pitched one of two ways. We win it in a press or we play it through Thomas Party and he unlocks everything. And if you look at a, a game like Manchester City in January, when we played so brilliantly, he was the best player on the pitch. And they're one of the best pressing teams in the league and they can take the ball off you anywhere. And they couldn't get close to him. And because of that, we were in the game. And he didn't play well tonight. And it wasn't like he was horrendous, but the one-touch passing, the elusiveness, you know, and sometimes some teams just have a good sense of how to play against you. I think he's struggled against Palace in, in every game he's played against them. And maybe Vieira just has a sense of the way he wants to let the ball run across him to open his body and he traps him late or, you know, whatever the way they use, you know, their players, Decore, I thought was really influential. Mm. But when you, 
it's been this way at Arsenal for a while, and it's it's this way for a lot of teams. I remember if you could take Santi Cazorla out of the game back when we had him, and that's easier said than done, you could you could keep Arsenal from playing. And I think we have a little bit of that with Party now. And when he's taken out of the game, I, I think it's easier to stop us from playing. And I, I think that happened tonight, and I think that explains it. For me, we could use one more type of profile in midfield. We have a, a technical leader in, in Odegaard who's extremely skillful. We have a sort of jack-of-all-trades in Thomas Party. But do we have the burst? Do we have someone who can carry the ball beyond the press? Do we have a, a, someone who runs you know, fast in straight lines, someone who can be that that extra burst of athleticism. I'm not sure. Maybe a Tielemans is meant to give us that. He's good at carrying the ball. But, you know, with, with Shaka being a little more static, maybe we are missing something. And I, I don't want to point the finger too much at any individual player because I still think it works a lot. Mm. But I do think you can take party out of the game and take our midfield out of the game. And that that's ultimately, for me, what I saw. I've seen it in games like the Brighton games last season, both of the Palace games last season. Um... You know, and it just, uh, it happened again tonight after about a half hour. I'll tell you what I noticed in the first half, um, and actually after we scored the goal, is that um, what struck me was how direct Arsenal were trying to play in the sense that, you know, last season we would see a lot of the interchanging passes or the interchanging um, football being played on either sides of the flank. So if one side of the pitch was congested, the, the you know, the ball would be whipped onto the other side uh, to free up space. And then, you know, we'd, we'd try and create some momentum from that. But tonight I realised that there wasn't a lot of that. Most of it was trying to be played between the lines. And actually what made it really difficult was how static we were after we'd win possession um, from, you know, a Palace long ball. Um, and that, that just doesn't help because if, if, if you decide to just stay in one place and, you know, try to find your partner um, who's also standing in one place, then, you know, unfortunately the, um, the default kind of conclusion to that is going to be losing the ball and having to uh, run and getting to defensive positions. Um, but yeah, that, I, I found that quite interesting. And, you know, it, 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 it did it did get very nervy near the end of the half where you could see that Palace were growing in confidence and we were allowing them to sort of feel themselves and um, maybe get into a little bit of a rhythm. And what wasn't helping was the the, the, the constant long balls from Anderson, which is trying to find um, Zaha on the, you know, the right-hand side um, or the left-hand side, whichever way you want to put yourself on the pitch. Um, but how, how well did Ben White do, James? Um, he, he practically had, Zaha in his pocket for basically the whole first half. Yeah. Um, first half. Zaha was quite, you know, frustrated. You could tell um, that, you know, mm -hmm. he was having a hard time. Exactly. Um, it's quite funny because I actually saw a tweet at half time. Someone said, a uh, rival fan that said Ben White was playing shit. So I don't know what, he, what game he was watching. Um, yeah, I think uh, ben, ben White was uh, really, really good. I think I, I love his new position, that, that that right back, to fit everybody in the team, to fit Saliba in the team, to Gabriel, and to accommodate and now have White in the team as well. When nobody has to, when nobody has to vacate their positions for one another, one, one another I think it's brilliant. And if... If Tommy Asu is going to be out for a long period of time, which I think he is going to be, I think I think that I think he has a little bit of um, 
the glass legs at the minute with, with his reoccurring injuries, um, then Ben White looks more than capable to go there. And I think he showed that today when he, as you said, pocketed Zaha. Uh, I think Zaha was getting really frustrated. There were some points where I thought that he could get in the game because he always, he always manages to do something, Zaha, whether it's um, a, a mazy run or a, a fast burst of pace that just wows you. is ridiculous. But... For the most part today, he was he was kept quiet, and that was all thanks to Ben White, um, which which is really really good to see, and really good to see him adapt to a new position. Yeah, I think we were quite fortunate in the sense that Eze didn't have a good good game, and you know when Eze has a good game, then Zaha is able to flourish because they link up well, they link up together so well. I can't believe Saha is still at Palace. To be honest, yeah, um, I think I think all of us can, you know, even the com- I think one of the commentators was saying Zaha is still at Palace. Yeah. So it's, it's a real surprise actually because um, you know, he's a great player and it seems like no one's really coming in for him. But anyway, um, uh, Elliot, uh, I had a we, we had a chat with um Andrew from Arscast uh a few days ago and 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 this discussion came up about the right, right the, the the rights the right hand side of the pitch and um I made I made the point that you know as as well as Ben White can do on that side um teams will inevitably know when they play us that that is our um Achilles heel that is our where we we're, we're most vulnerable and they will attack that 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 right hand side now Ben White did an incredible job and I'm actually you know I'm, I'm having to um eat a slice of humble cake uh, tonight um, because uh, I was wrong. I was wrong to to, to, to doubt White. Um, uh, you know, tonight he did a, a fine Sterling job against Zaha, but how, I mean, do you see this level of performance um, continuing in the long run, I know. I know um, Tomiyasu is due back soon. He, he, he he's in training, and we could see him any day now. But I mean, I've heard that so many times. I'm not really gonna um, bank on it just yet. Um, but yeah, Ben White. Um, offensively, I felt like pretty good um, at in some. M- moments of the game maybe the distribution wasn't as great as it could have been um but anyway defensively the main part of the job uh really really good really solid yeah i thought he was great i mean um i i think after the yellow card he looked a little bit more cautious and that's when um that's when i think the uh zaha had had more joy but yeah overall i thought he did really well and and i think he will continue to do really well and here's why i think you have, this is going to sound so like hipster football, but you have to stop thinking in terms of positional labels, the way we used to think about them. Hmm. Arteta has a system and players play in certain positions in that system. And as a result, they may need different skills. I never thought Tomiyasu was really a right back because he's not a run up and down the touchline type player, but that's not what that player is doing. We're in a two, three, five in possession mm-hmm. and that right fullback and that left back, they play as midfielders alongside Thomas Party, They're in the three. And the funny thing is that space, that right half space in front of the center backs, that's kind of where he played for Brighton a lot of times. He occupied a lot of that similar kind of space. Now, is he still going to occasionally find himself isolated 1v1 on wingers and struggle with that? Yes. But I'm going to tell you something that I, I find to be a truism about Premier League football right now. There's maybe a handful, if that, of fullbacks 
who can handle these Premier League wingers 1v1 defensively now. They've gotten so good and so hard to live with. You're going to get roasted unless you have help. So, yeah, if Ben White's out on the touchline isolated against a winger, I think he's going to struggle. But there's very, very few fullbacks who won't. You know, maybe a, a, a walker, right? Or, I mean... Robertson can be pretty good at that. But like, look at Trent Alexander-Arnold. I mean, that guy can't defend to save his life, but he's got other skills that help that team be one of the best in the world. I think Ben White is playing in a position that suits what he can do. He likes to carry the ball. He likes to be progressive. He wants to be an early, early to the challenge, right? He wants to be a hunter, a seeker where he can go get the ball and win it before it gets to its man. And I think in the positions he's being asked to play, he can go do that. So, I would expect him to continue to play that role very well. In fact, I I sort of think of that role as being a better fit for him than a pure center back in a true back back four. Hmm. Um, I think you see Saliba and Gabriel as a partnership that really looks like a true back four center back type pairing. And I think, yeah, I, I think that he can be brilliant uh, in this position. And 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 it's it's still the case. I think Tomiyasu is the better defender, and Tomiyasu may be the the better option there, but. I don't think it's a clear gulf and the, the, the issue you're going to run into, and this is a good issue, by the way, I tend to be the kind of person too, who starts to panic about competition for place. So this, what if this guy loses his place? Well, that's what happens at good teams. Good players lose their place to other good players. And so we, we can't really freak out about it, but I think if Tommy, Tommy were fit right now, immediately, I don't think there's any way that Mikel's going to change it. I think Tommy is going to have to earn the place back and I don't have a problem with that. Mm. Yeah, um, you make a very good case for it, and I guess we will see the development of Ben White in that right hand on that right hand side um, as games go on and as oppositions as as we face a, a number of different oppositions. Um, but no, I agree. I think Ben White did a you know a fine job, and he seems like the type of profile the the profile of player that fits Arteta's system in the sense that you know very aggressive in the defensive side where he wants to win the ball back as quickly as possible, um, but also um, very expressive in the way that he he he, he goes forward, and mm. sometimes that might uh, might it might be something that comes to bite us on the backside. But um, and it almost did, you know, sometimes uh, in some periods in the second half where he just wanders out on the left hand side and sometimes finds himself in the final third of the pitch. But um, look, you know, uh, the, I think I think these are the kinds of things that make a good player, a great player where they're able to um, allow themselves to just be expressive in that sense. You know, you don't want to, you you don't want someone who's overly cautious or someone who's just scared to go that extra mile. Um, And I I think we saw that with, with Odegaard in some respects, especially in the second half where, you know, again, reluctant to take that shot when he was, you know, a few yards out um, and reluctant to, you know, make that pass quicker. Um, but um, just before we we, we we talk about the second half, um, Granit Xhaka's yellow card for me um, was quite harsh. I know it was a dive, and it was it was a dive, but I felt like um, he, he 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 did make a good case to the referee. Uh, I don't know if you guys managed to watch it back, but Anderson did actually put his arm out and then removed it. Um, so I felt like Shaka knew that he was going to be he was, he, was, he was anticipating contact, and therefore I kind of. Think I feel like his body was just naturally moving to feel that contact, and so the momentum of that um, just made him fall over. Um, a bit harsh, in my opinion, but um, and, and we did get a question about this actually. Uh, the fact that Shaka got his yellow card so early on, and you know, still managed to stay on the pitch um, yeah. after that ninety minutes. Um, 
yeah. Um, how, how do you how do you think um, Shaka did, um, uh, James? I think Shaka is going to be a player reinvented. Uh, I think we saw it a bit last season where he's re- he's really really done well and considering all the problems Granit Xhaka's had with the captaincy and uh, and building back the fans' trust from the incident at, <laughs> strangely enough, at Crystal Palace a few years ago, um, <clears throat> or at the Emirates a few years ago against Crystal Palace, um, I think he's really going to really gonna shine this season. And I think I saw a funny tweet saying, uh, Xhaka's being booked for diving, this team is evolving. <laughs> which was quite funny uh, because he never seems to get booked for diving. He normally gets sent off. Um, but yeah, he stayed on the pitch today and uh, didn't get sent off. And I think he's going to shine this season. I'll pick out one, one, one pass against Sevilla that he did um, last weekend that was that was really good. And uh, let's set up a chance if he can do that more uh, and go on, go on a little bit of a run more and set people up like, like Jesus and like the, those attacking players we have. I think it would be a real asset to the team. Um, can I just say though about the referees tonight? I think they were. I think the referees were much better today. I think they might. I think they might have been told something in their in their, in their briefing to let the to let the games flow this season and to just not you know hold the players back for any reason. I know. <clears throat> I know there was some questionable. Like the dive was a bit questionable for you, Farhan, but I felt that the the referee did really do a good good job. In letting the game flow because normally we're being pulled back for everything. Uh, well, Arsenal players at least, maybe not some other teams, but yeah. hopefully <laughs> it's a sign of things to come when uh, games start to go on. Because I've been a big complainer about referees on this podcast. Um, if you if you listen to some episodes, so it's really nice to see the game flow and and really you know have a good game of football that doesn't get stopped by needless fouls or, or anything else. Mm. Yeah. Uh, look, before we talk about the second half, um, unfortunately, we are going to have to wave goodbye to Elliot. Um, Elliot, look, thank you very much for taking time out of your schedule to join us. Um, it's been a really nice chat once again. Hopefully we don't end up losing the next five of our 10 games. <laughs> um, but If that yeah. happens, I'm obviously never coming on again, but I'd never be invited again, so I'm not too worried. But yeah, I'm sorry to have to bounce. It's it's dinner time here and I've got two kids to help out with, but I, I love being asked on and I hope I can do it again sooner when oh. the schedule gets a little bit easier. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm going to hold you to it. Um, but absolutely, yeah, I appreciate that. Um, thank you very much for coming on and you guys Cheers. can follow Elliot on Twitter at Yankee Gunner. Um, don't block him. He's a lovely guy, I promise you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, you can, you can find his podcast as well on um, all the podcast platforms uh, Arsenal Vision Podcast where they also do their fair share of uh, podcasts and post-match reactions and stuff like that if you haven't heard of them then I don't know how you've heard of us but yeah Uh, Um, I don't know about that (laughs) (laughs) Elliot thank you very much man talk to you soon thanks guys cheers take care bye cheers bye and that was Elliot. Um, I don't know why I've just uh, accidentally disconnected from James. I, I was supposed to press the X button on Elliot and I pressed the X button on James as well. Um, <laughs> I'm going to tell James to hop back on. Uh, sorry, I kicked you out. So, uh, yeah, just me and James, we're going to talk about the second half. And just um, as James is... Um, popping back on uh let's 
Uh, let me just talk you through my brain. Oh, here we go. James is back. Sorry, James. I was sorry meant to press that. X on um, uh, you Elliot. Me. Yeah, sorry. It was by accident. I don't know because oh I was supposed goodness. to. I was supposed to remove Elliot, and then um, he pressed X, and then yeah, I ended up pressing X on you by accident. So look, anyhow, anyhow, anyhow. And look, there were two. And then there were two. Yeah. Uh, back to the back to the back to the good old days. Back man. to the good old days, man. Yeah. I mean, it's it's quite nice that you know, hundred and one episode, episode one hundred and one, and we're back to kind of you know uh the good old days um but look the second half um before going into the second half Uh, what's your thoughts i mean obviously the first half didn't end very well what did you want to see different score more goals really um you know in the end of the first half i felt a little bit like i don't know i don't know you know when you get that sense of here we go again i know we i know we did score and it is Crystal Palace, and uh, we've touched on how how big, how, well, not how big, but how how you know how big it is to go to Selhurst Park, and what 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 big atmosphere it is. And you just think uh, Vieira is not. Uh, we know Vieira as much as anyone, you know, from 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 a player. You know, Vieira is not going to set Crystal Palace up the same way. He's gonna <coughs> he's gonna go, go so, sorry. He's gonna go and um, set them up differently to play differently because of the events of the first half. So I expected a, a much more, you know, with it Crystal Palace, if that makes sense, uh, a much more, you know, a Crystal Palace with a little bit of desire from what they've heard in halftime and, and whatnot. So I did expect a reaction. That's the one looking for, a reaction from them. Um, so I was a little bit wary of of how, how we were going to start the second half, um, how we were going to react to Crystal Palace Palace, then reacting to us if that makes sense, because mm. of what we just did to them in the second in the first half. Yeah, because I felt although although um, they were in the first half, I thought we we dominated that we dominated the majority of that half. So now now it was about how we're going to counteract Crystal Palace's reaction to us, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, no, that makes total sense. Um, I- uh, personally, I feel like, you know, having watched the first three episodes of that uh, really well put together, I think, um, documentary, mm-hmm. I, I thought, uh, you know, I'll tell you. Brilliant, isn't it? I can't, I yeah, can't, I yeah. can't it, is, it is really good. And we'll have a chat about it um, after we, we finish talking about the game. But um, I genuinely thought that Arteta was going to lay into them and say, look, you, you know, we really need to get back into this game and actually go and hunt for that second goal because we're making it way too easy for Palace. And actually, you know, coming back into the second half, it was pretty much the same as what we, where we left off in the first, in the sense that, um, you, you know, Palace were seeing a lot of the ball. They had a lot of the possession. I think Schlopp had a shot deflected early on. Uh, constant long balls, you know, being put forward. Um, and, and, and actually, there was only one man who was um, doing what I wanted them to do, which is pressing off the ball, putting Palace under pressure. Uh, and that was Granit Xhaka. And it was really weird to see him actually chasing the ball around, um, especially when the ball was in Palace's half. He was the only one putting them really under pressure. And, um, uh, it, it, you know, if it wasn't for the the run to close down their centre-backs, they'd have a lot more time to play out from the back. Um there was a there was an Odegaard shot which was deflected as well and take you know taken out for a corner, um, and there was that incredible miss from Eze. I mean, 
it, it should have been one one really. Uh, it was a it, it was an incredible ball in from Zaha, and again mm-hmm. we spoke about Ben White a minute ago. It, you know, it was Ben White who was wandering out on that right hand side that left as a open um, to to, mm-hmm. to to kind of walk through. But how on earth did he miss that against Ramsdale? And and what a game Ramsdale has had as well. We often, we, we we I think this 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 game has been seen the number uh, one shirt well. Yeah, it's been it's been overshadowed a lot by the performance that William Saliba's put forward. But equally, Ramsdale made some really really good save, and that one was a top one as well. Um, if mm-hmm. not as well, a, a really bad miss, but. You know, he had to still save it and he made himself big imposing and he managed to put Eze off. You know what, with Ramsdale this season, I always felt that there might be a little bit of a a drop mm. because I think he had such a good season last season that I, I kind of expected there to be a little bit of a drop. But the way he started, <clears throat> the way he started this game shows me that it's just going to continue. Um, Ramsdale is just going to continue the way he always is. Making those top saves, making those saves that you think, wow, what has he just done? Uh, and kept us in the game. Um, <coughs> as for Saliba, wow, what a <laughs> what a player, what yeah. a player! I mentioned, I mentioned in preseason, it's going to feel like an absolute new signing, and what a breath of fresh air! And Arteta, why have you kept him away for that long? You know, he is an absolute beast of a player. I think he. This is only day one where we're going to see him in the Premier League, and you know, I can't wait to see what he does next. Mm. Um, because he, he is like our Van Dyke now. I think. Yeah, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of that comparison going around. And actually, you know, today when I was making my you know fantasy Premier League team, um, I, I kept a very close eye on him on the on the list of defenders that I could have picked from. Um, yeah. I was very, very close to getting him in. I should have really just done that. I should have actually just put him in there because I know he's going to be the reason why Arsenal get a lot of clean sheets this season. Man of the match. Um, yeah, man of the match. And, and you know, for... for, for Good reason Brilliant as well. Reason. Like uh, he he uh, he deserved it. You know, there there wasn't a single man on that pitch that put in a better performance than him. Um, the, yeah. the the tackle that he put on Zaha. I don't know if you remember, but again, Ben White went went missing down that uh, that that that, that left hand side um, that Palace were attacking uh, down, and it was just Partey left there. Partey tried to kind of put him off, put in a little foul, cheeky little foul. Um and you know he 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 uh, Zaha practically just skipped past him, and then out comes Saliba out of nowhere, puts in a sliding tackle, and puts uh, Zaha to the ground. Um and he yeah. did that a good few times. I think I, I think um Zaha got the he felt the studs of um big Willow Saliba uh, on a, on, a, on a good few occasions. Um, yeah, he seems like he's really settled in in that back line as well with Gabriel because yeah. uh, he, he, there's one thing, being a really good tackler of the ball and just being an, an, an all-round good defensive player. Mm. But just his the partnership that he's striking with Gabriel just looks really sound. Um, when, when they're building up play from the back, I feel like I can trust them to just get that ball into the right areas in midfield. Mm-hmm. Whereas last season with Ben White and Gabriel, there was still that little, 
niggling voice in the back of my head saying, what if, what if, what if, um, or, you know, just expecting someone to give the ball away. Gabriel very early on in the first half almost did make a mistake. Um, but I didn't see any bit of hesitation from William Saliba. I just felt like he was so focused on getting the job done. Nothing looked like it was going to phase him. And he was up against some really difficult players. I mean, Zaha for one is one of the most um, tricky players to play against in the Premier League. One of those players that will give you a real headache if you let him. Um, You know, uh, Mateta came on in the second half as well. Big, imposing centre forward. Um, He's a centre forward, right? Um, Mateta, is he a centre forward? Yeah. 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 Um, uh, You know, he did, yeah. And he's a physically really big, uh, imposing guy. Edward as well. uh, Another really difficult player to play against sometimes. You know, he did have a a fair few opportunities. I think he had one clear-cut opportunity in the first half. But um, yeah, Saliba for me was just, you know, absolutely top-notch. Uh, And I think he was the reason why Arsenal stayed in the game for as long as they did. Um, And actually, I didn't expect Arsenal to go as long as they did without making a change. Uh, Palace made a change in the 57th minute, the first change, Mateta on for Edward. They made their second change um, maybe 10 minutes later with, or 20 minutes later (laughs) with Decore um, coming off for um, Milivojevic. And I was, you know, I was just scratching my head thinking, why isn't Arteta making a change? And again, this could have been a very different ending. Palace could have had an equaliser any time between the 45th minute till the, you know, the moment where Arteta finally decides to make the change. Why do you think he, he left it so late? Is this something that he's still learning or is this something that he just did on purpose? Um, um, I can't, I don't know. I can't explain it because I, think, I feel like a change you know, would have been nice a lot earlier on. It would have done, but expect to see a whole lot more because of the five substitutions. Hmm. I think you have, because you have those five substitutions, it gives you a little bit of leeway so you can make multiple. Well, that's, so, it makes it worse because then you're thinking, well, surely you're going to make a change early on. If you've got five, you know, you've got look, five, then you can make it a, a lot earlier than you, you would normally. But look, he made the first. He made the first sub. Which who was it again? Uh, um, I don't know if he made one. I think he made two altogether. I think he made two at the same time, and then Sambi came on last for Odegaard. I think Zinchenko and no, it was, yeah, it was Zinchenko introduced after Tierney and in Ketia. Yeah, but he which, didn't make a change before that. No, no, sorry, them two. Yeah. yeah, it was. I think that one was good because it broke up the game. I think it broke up the game because I think um, Palace was starting to get into it a little bit more. And I think you just needed that substitution to break up the game. Personally, I wouldn't have taken Jesus off, to be fair. Um, I would have taken someone like Martinelli or Saka off and and, and, and took uh, and stuck um, Jesus on the right wing and put Inkeri up front. Mm. I understand the Tierney one because he's just come back from injury and Zinchenko is a new player as well. 
Zinchenko um, was struggling as well a little bit um, because obviously in the second half, Palace started to use both flanks. Not only were they trying to f- uh, find Zaha, but they were also trying to find Ayu, who was you know picking up pace and making it mm-hmm. really difficult for Zinchenko to defend against because you know he's he's a player who has hell of a lot of pace. He's, a- he's able to run in behind. Zinchenko's pushing up a little bit more than maybe he should, um, mm-hmm. and actually you know you, you could tell that. It, the the Jesus decision was um I think I backed that because uh you could tell that Arsenal in that second half were, were quite set on just defending when Saka and Martinelli were you know pulled in as deep as they were to uh, kind of help out to defend um it was inevitable that Jesus wasn't going to see as much of the ball um but you know better late than never um is, is is the saying that goes um he makes the change and finally something happens both Nketiah and Tierney are kind of directly and indirectly involved in that second goal mm-hmm. yeah exactly and i think the second goal the second the second sub with um with Sambi is just a time wasting one really um, yeah, I don't even count that as a real as a, as a real sub, but those two in particular, in and Tierney, I mean, really, yeah. really good decision by Arteta. I wish he would have made it earlier, but a brilliant tactical piece of work from Arteta because it leads to the second goal. Um, talk to me about the build up to the second goal. I don't know if you remember it much. Um, one second, I'll just pull it up here. One second. Um... Let's have a look. I just, I just actually retweeted that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's have a look. If it won't freeze on me. There we go. All right, you can't hear that, can you? No. Uh, I, I can hear it. I can hear it. Can you hear it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, I'll turn it down then. Uh, one second. Yeah, uh, it, it was great build-up. <laughs> really, uh, I'll take a ball. <laughs> Which is gonna, I think, is gonna be in full flow this season with with the likes of our new signings. So, <coughs> I just think we've we've hit. I think we've hit the we've hit the money with these signings we've made. Um, Jesus is obviously gonna come into his own. We've seen what he can do already. Um, yes, yeah, see Fabio Vieira. Hopefully, he's back soon. Um, but yeah, that second goal was. I'm real, very unlucky from a. Crystal Palace point of view, and um, but it was coming. I think I think it was coming uh, because we needed to get that cushion, and we finally got it. <laughs> yeah, and and I just want to talk through it because I think this was um, a really well worked goal. And actually, you know, ha- having those two changes come on did it did change the complexity, the complexion of the game. Um, exactly. The momentum had had kind of. But I think that's what you want. I think that's what you want when you're stuck in that situation. Yeah, you need it. You need that. You need. I mean, that's what substitutions are for. It's to change the tempo of the game. It's to change something in the game. And Arsenal needed that because it was just getting worse and worse and worse. Uh, we were just exerting a lot of pressure on ourselves. We were allowing Palace to, uh, you know, running behind too easily. You could tell that 
sooner or later, Mateo was, was either Mateo was going to get a goal or Zaha was going to get a goal. Something was going to happen sooner or later. I just kept on having these horrible flashbacks about Everton and, you know, those yeah. two late, late goals. But, you know, luckily Zinchenko comes off, Tierney comes on, Tierney does really well early on to, um, you know, win, win the ball. Um, I think he wins a throw on as well. He's running down the byline, um, giving us options. You know, you could tell the burst of energy that he's got. Um, and it just allows others to get in, involved in the play. In Ketia, you know, you know this, this, the, the, the build up to this goal where I think it was Shaka that picks up the ball, plays it into, um, in Ketia. And the first touch that he makes to get away from, uh, who's number 15? Let's find out. The touch to get away from Schlup is absolutely beautiful. It is so difficult to touch a ball like that, which allows you to just, gives you that extra yard you need to just get away from, you know, the the the, the marker, the player marking you. And that touch that he makes so elegantly gives him that extra bit of space that he needs in order to push the ball out wide to Saka. Saka's got a lot to do here when he's up against um, uh, Mitchell. And, you know, I think him and Mitchell um, that this evening, uh, it, it was it was it was interesting and it was fun to see because you could see, you know, two players here, Saka, who's clearly, you know, uh, miles above Mitchell, but Mitchell standing firm and trying to uh, delay Saka as much as possible, trying to delay the inevitable. Um, and, you know, I felt like, you know, Saka did... I think most of the players on the pitch today are still getting there. They're not there. We're not we're not seeing the one hundred percent Arsenal. We're seeing here's the first game of the season. So understandably we this know is the first game of the season as well. It's come it's come on early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really early. And you know, despite having an incredibly super positive preseason, we haven't faced challenges. We haven't we haven't had to play games where the opposition were all over us. Maybe, you know, Orlando um, City, the first half, uh, actually that whole game was a bit tough for us, uh, be, being in a different climate and playing the squad that we did. But, you know, this is a Premier League game. This is a competitive first league game where all eyes are on us where we know the pressure. We know how significant this game is. We're going to have those thoughts of last season and the opening night. So understandably, you know, we have to give the players a bit of, we need to cut them a bit of slack because um, they're inevitably going, not going to be in top condition. Um, And, you know, neither are Palace as well. Um, so, uh, you know, I guess it, it'll be, it'll be harsh to expect so much from, from, from all of them. Um, but Saka here does incredibly well, uh, the last stages of the game still going strong, uh, sending, you know, Mitchell down the byline, um, and you know, the, the, the quick kind of drop of the shoulder to, to, um, take the ball into space and then to release it the way that he does. And that was a wicked kind of. Uh, I don't know what, what he was trying to do with it. I think it was probably a cross, um, but it was it was a really great kind of cross, low driven, pacey 
um, and gets a bit of deflection to make it 2-0. Um, mm-hmm. And unfortunately, it goes into the back of the net off um, Gaihi. And, you know, it's, yeah. it's that's captain it. Well. Yeah, captain as well, yeah. But, you know, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate that he makes the wrong kind of contact. Ball comes in, really good ball. And, you know, if it does miss... I guess you've got Anderson there who would probably clear it out. But um, yeah, good goal for Arsenal, 2-0. And then after that, you know, he, he almost could, he almost gets in behind again. Once again, Nketiah slotting the ball into Saka. Um, shots deflected. After that, I think we absolutely take the piss a bit. Yeah. We, um, were, we looked so much more uh, relaxed, didn't we? And I think that was a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Hold on a second. I'm having some issues. One second. Yeah, now you're back. Oh, he's gone. Oh, he's I'm back. Not. I'm back now. I think you were lagging a little bit. Um, mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah so I think we were, absolutely, we were taking the piss a bit because we were we were just chanting Vieira and right in front of him when he's 2-0 down, um, which, is, uh, <laughs> which is funny. Uh, but I think we, we again, we played, overall, we played well. Um, unfortunate goal to concede on the Palace side. But what can you do that to football? Yeah, and look, like I said at the beginning, it, it was two goals at Selhurst Park and a clean sheet. Um, you couldn't have asked for much more. Despite nah. the performance being a little bit dodgy at times, and I get it, first game of the season is, I feel like, one of the most difficult games that you'll play all season because it's the first time where you're going to be stepping onto a pitch to play a competitive game that you haven't played for a very long time and it's a clean slate. So whatever you do from now, from that first minute, will determine what happens in the coming weeks. And if you can get an ugly 2-0, an ugly three points, then that's an ugly three points that's going to help you to build for the next two or three weeks. Um, and so, you know, most importantly, they get the job done. And despite, again, like I said, despite Odegaard having a terrible game, part A hiding in parts of the game, um, obviously for obvious reasons, the crowd making it really tough for him, uh, despite, um, you know, Ramsdale having some dodgy moments, making some incredible saves though, despite Jesus not getting his debut goal, um, we still yeah. got the job done. It was a 2-0 victory and we learned a lot about what to I don't expect know. From, from, from this team um, in the coming exactly. I don't want to speak too much on the Partey situation, but I think he's going to get a lot of that. And yeah. uh, now I think um, whether, the, whether the club will come out and say something, I don't know, probably not. Uh yeah, it's a bit of a strange situation, yeah. but um, yeah, I think um, I think best best not to go into all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but anyway, look, uh, full time Arsenal two, Crystal yeah. Palace nil, three points, but, uh, top of the league, all good. Um, and now we can just have good. a quick chat about the All or Nothing documentary that came out a few days ago. Um, have you watched the third episode or not? I have, yeah. And uh, have you have <coughs> yep. you found the the three episodes? Man, um, love it, absolutely love it because it gives us a chance to see our club in a totally different way. 
Um, one, production value, how Amazon normally do their stuff um, with the with the great camera shots and stuff like that. But the insight you get from Arteta to to Carlos Cuesta, to the development coaches, to uh, Steve Round, to everybody, everybody, to Airport Albert, to um, <laughs> to everybody in that in, the, in that team, to Stuart McFarlane, big up yourself, man. Um, it, Stuart McFarlane is going to become, an, if he isn't already, he's going to become a national treasure because of that documentary and because of, of the insight he gave for the Tottenham game. Um, which it, which is fantastic, uh, but I think now is now is the time where we're gonna now is the time going on from the third episode, where it's gonna take a little humble, uh, because we've got the Aubameyang situation, which yeah. looking on that, <laughs> I know Aubameyang said a few words, he speak much, I know he's not as a captain, I, I wouldn't say, which is. Interesting, which really tells you what you need to know and why they probably made the decision they did. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I guess, really... I guess, obviously, because of everything that happened with Aubameyang, they've had to, you know, they've had to make, they've had to produce the documentary in to to portray, you know, uh, the club in a certain light. They're obviously not going to put Aubameyang in as much. Maybe had he still been captain and had he still been playing for the club, then. Um, maybe we'd see a lot more of him and who knows, but there were glimpses. there were definitely glimpse of um, some of the captain benefits or responsibilities where he's able to, you know, give uh, Stuart the shirt in, on behalf of all the players. Uh, where he makes that speech at the end of the North London derby. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's it's something that we're not going to know much about. And it'll be, it'll be very, very interesting to see what happens in the next few episodes where all of that un, un, unravels. Um, can yeah. Say, well, can I just say one one huge thing I'll take away from this? Hmm. Controversial, controversial time, right? Controversial. Josh Cronky. Those two, those two words. Ah. Uh, I don't know. It's a it's a really tough situation because I never knew he was around that much. Mm. Yeah, it is. It is a very weird thing to be around. And had that effect on some players. Yeah, players. I was. Yeah, I was really. I was really surprised by that. I was really, really was surprised to hear that on a day-to-day basis. Um, because that behind him. Um, yes, we don't hear from Stan, but you don't really hear from Stan in many of his businesses. Um. Josh is the one that talks and he talks in this documentary quite a lot. Yeah. I was, yeah, I was, I was quietly surprised actually, um, at how like involved he looked like he was, I don't know whether that was because, you know, he knew the documentary was going to be made. Oh, no, he knew the Amazon cameras were there. I don't know. I don't know, but it was, it was very refreshing and nice to see that he was very then, involved, but- um, with Edu, Arteta and Vinay. And it seemed like he wanted to be involved as well. And he wanted to be there just to do his part, whatever that may have been, whether that's just a, ch- a quick chat with the boss or, you know, just a quick hello to the players. I mean, it makes a difference, right? It creates a, mm-hmm. an environment, an ambience of, you know, the, no, it was in the room family kind of environment. What's that? He was in the room with Edu talking about transfers for the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I saw that, yeah. I'm really giving it, I'm really giving it insight on how 
how we're going to do things. And, uh, you know, I think it's uh, not to say that our our protests and everything have been unjustified, because clearly not. But it's nice, mm. nice to finally see some some action being taken in regards to them, them too. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was definitely nice to see it being face to face. Like you know, he's in the building, not just a Skype, Zoom call. Um, you know, talking about the transfers. Yeah, yeah, it, it was good. It was good. It was good. It was good to see that, and it was good to see him and having that banter, that back and forth with Mikel as well. Um, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed how, um, they portrayed some of the players as well. So, you know, Rams, the obvious, the obvious one. Uh, his story with his parents and his family and just how how competitive he is as well. Like, he, he not only does he want to win, but he wants to win big. And, you know, he, he wants to keep his clean sheets, most importantly. Um, yeah. And it's, it's it's actually, you can you can see now why Arteta wants to bring these profile of players because it has a knock-on effect on everyone else. Now, imagine if... Um, Ramsdale was pissed off about not keeping a clean sheet but getting three points. How that's going to look, you know, with everyone else. Everyone's going to look at this guy saying, thinking, wow, you know, we've just won a f- game of football, but he's pissed off because he didn't get a clean sheet. That's a winner's mentality. That's what we need yeah, to kind of exactly. adopt. That's what we kind of need to build on. You know, when Gabriel comes in and he's, he's, you know, you can tell that he's pleased that he got the victory, a bit confused as to why Ramsdale's upset and Ramsdale tells him to fuck off because, <laughs> you know, he missed that, he missed that clean sheet. But, you know, it's going to get Gabriel thinking like, you know, here's my keeper here, pissed off that he didn't get a clean sheet. Wow. It means a lot to him. We need to uh-huh. improve then. We need to, you know, start um, getting more clean sheets. So that was very encouraging to see. Um, exactly. It was really encouraging to see Bakayo Saka and Emil Smith-Rowe talk about, you know, wanting to score in the North London derby. Like, I didn't know players actually, like, I still don't think in the grand scheme of things, players care about the club that they play for. Saka and Emil Smith-Rowe are two different, obviously, um, you know, they fall under a different category because they were raised in the club. But I still think, you know, even with players who come up from the academy that they, um, you know, their the, the, their their love for their career is, it supersedes their love for their, you know, home club. But it was just really nice. It felt really nice to see them talking about the North London derby and talk about how it would feel to score in such a big game. Um, it, yeah, it, it brought back feelings of when players actually wanted to play for the badge. Exactly. And I think with those two, we have a pair of players who are here because they love the club. Not, not just here because, because they're picking yeah. up wage. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or like, you know, um, what was that? There were some other, there were some other bits and pieces in there. Um, <laughs> the no days off thing was funny. Two days uh, off. Yeah. Two days off. Yeah. Yeah. Two days off, two days off. Yeah. Um, I see Tottenham fans bantering us because uh, Arsenal, this documentary is lifted underneath a comedy, which is <laughs> quite funny. Yeah. Um, but anyhow, uh, basically, if you look underneath the tag for this, the genre under Amazon Prime, it says comedy and, and things like that. But Tottenham wasn't, um, which is quite funny, but it's quite not really. Yeah. Um, uh, what, what do you make of um, the... I don't know, some of the post-match, pre-match 
talks that Arteta gives and you know the the way that he wants to express his ideas because he got a lot of stick last week um on his approach with the way that he he's trying to get into the players heads great artist you know, I'll tell you that. yeah yeah things like that and you know the 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 um that you'll never walk alone um uh, genius do you think so genius because no, mm. no, no nobody's been in no the players haven't been in that situation they're all new like the fact that, like yeah. Tavares hasn't been in the country before moved here alone doesn't know what no he doesn't know the history of Liverpool very well mm. and to to have it in the training ground there is what you're going to be experiencing brilliant yeah, I don't know. I, I, I mean, for that that specific no, one, I think, I, I think, I think, I think it's reaching to go for that one because you're never really gonna know what it feels like to play at Anfield until you're at Anfield. It's great that you're preparing them, you're thinking out of the box, um, but you know, other things like the the personal stories that he's telling or the way that he's trying to get them thinking outside of football, I really appreciate that. And I get a lot of people are gonna say, well, you know, at the end of the day, they're footballers you should condition them to be like footballers, not like people or not like human beings. But I think that football is, we're going in a direction now where football is becoming a lot more than just winning football games. It is very much about trying to build a a group of players who understand what it means to play for a certain football club. Um, And Arteta has done this really well. He's he's come in, he's changed the culture of the club to suit it in a way that, you know, you're not just here playing football. You're here, you're part of this, you're part of this family, you're part of this um, organization. This is Arsenal Football Club. And if you're playing for us, you need to, you need to know what it feels to play for Arsenal. Exactly. And- exactly. And I think one of the key things I'll take away from that is look at look at who they have speaking in this documentary. Thierry Omri, mm. record goal scorer, done it all, everything. You know, he has a statue outside the stadium, for God's sake. If 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 anyone is there, if anyone on that documentary has done it all, it's him. He knows what he knows what it's like to be an Arsenal player. He knows what it's like to fight for top four. Every everything that comes out of his mouth in that documentary is about top four. Get top four. That is that that is the minimum we expect. Yeah, and um, that's the mental that's the mentality that's the mentality to have. Uh, and as I said, if we don't make top four this season, it might be curtains. Yeah, I think uh, so too. But I mean, look, so far so good. We've we've beaten Palace. Um, the documentary seems like it's a great hit, and it's actually changing a lot of um, people's perceptions about Arteta and Arsenal, and just you know the way that we were being painted from those clips that were being drip drip fed to us. Um, so yeah, uh, I don't know if you want to uh, talk about any other points from the documentary or not. Um. No. No. Okay. Cool. Um. I guess we can just leave it there then. Uh. I want to say again a massive. So anyway. Say that again. Uh, I don't think there is. I think we recovered most of them. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. So we'll leave it until the next three episodes come out. Um. I want to say a massive thank you to everybody who's been listening. Oh, before we go, I do want to introduce. I do want to announce the winner of the giveaway. Um, as you know, if you don't know, we um we did a giveaway for the 
uh, the, the the third the third uh, yeah, kit yeah. that yeah the Arsenal war against Palace the pink uh, kit yeah <laughs> pink kit when it came out and uh, to enter it you needed to like the tweet retweet it and follow us um, and the lucky winner of that giveaway is <laughs> Kevin Perrin at Shorty AFC so Kevin. Congratulations. You've won yourself uh, the Arsenal third kit in order to, um, what's the word again? In order to claim your prize. Claim, that's it. That's the word. In order to, oh my God, it's, it's, it's 1 a.m. Um, I'm completely de- dead. Um, oh, it's 1 a.m. What the? Yeah. Um, it's too late for this. I know, it's way too late. Yeah. Um, in order to claim your prize, uh, just drop us a just drop us a message on Twitter, and we'll get that sorted for you. So, Kevin, congratulations at Short EAFC. Uh, well done. You are the winner of the giveaway. Um, and we will be doing plenty of other giveaways as well during the season. Just uh, give us a follow on Twitter at Ask Therapy Pod, um, in order to you know make sure that you are keeping up the track so look yeah we'll leave it there um we will be back again next week after the leicester game where we will be doing a post-match reaction for that um but until then have yourselves a very good week take care of yourselves and we'll see you next week thank you very much bye-bye Cheers, guys. Mm-hmm.